0: Alright guys, welcome to today's show and joining me on the show today is Evan Trebilcock and Evan is an avid outdoorsman from New York State. Now he lives in North Carolina but he hunts and fishes for everything whether it's whitetail or waterfowl turkey and he's gotten into western big game hunting. I mean it's a totally different world once you start pursuing animals in the mountains versus, you know, maybe sitting in a tree stand or in a ground blind and not to take away from that at all but western hunting is something that I don't know if it's recent or what but I didn't know a ton of people that got out west and chased after big game animals growing up in Wisconsin everybody is white-tailed deer, waterfowl, turkey, maybe small game and it seems like lately there is just a huge influx of people who go out west to hunt and so I'm excited to talk to Evan hear about how he started out in the outdoors and see what that's developed and turned into now so I'm pumped for this episode let's jump into it with Evan
1: like he was doing things that were just badass
0: that was one of the coolest moments of my life I was really scared but knowing that Dan had the gun I did have the rifle like we would be okay all right guys welcome to today's show and joining me on the show today is well a brand new acquaintance to me i guess evan he is from new york state actually now in north carolina but grew up deer hunting and fishing and uh shooting a bow and i mean we're going to talk about a little bit of everything all the different states that he's traveled to and hunted and what he's passionate about now but evan thanks for joining me man
1: yeah so um uh, yeah, I grew up in New York State. Uh, that's where I, you know, call still my hometown and everything, um, although home now is North Carolina and it's becoming more and more home as we, you know, going into our fifth year living here and I've, I've enjoyed every minute of it. But yeah, growing up in New York, I grew up, I was lucky enough to grow up with a father who, you know, lived and breathed the outdoors as well. Uh, he didn't play sports in high school. He hunted and he fished and that's where he spent most of his time. So, you know, as he brings his oldest son along with him, you know, backpacking me through the woods on his setting up his tree stand and stuff like that. Like, that's just kind of, I was just immersed in it before I even knew what I was getting into. So, um, I took to it, um, probably a little bit more than my other brothers have, but I guess maybe it was just cause I like being with dad, or I was just in so enthralled with being outside. That's like what I like to do. I didn't really play the video games. I was outside shooting the Little recurved bow my dad gave me. And you know, he was such a big archery hunter. So archery hunting has just always been a massive part of my life. Um, but yeah, it was whitetail, it was walleye fishing, smallmouth fishing. I got into turkey as I got old enough to go out on my own because my dad didn't do a lot of turkey hunting. He would rather go walleye fishing. And he didn't do a lot of grouse hunting as well. So I got exposed to that, but I never really got to pull a trigger on the grouse because we didn't have, you know, the dogs like some guys did. We'd just go out there and just have some fun once deer season ended. But yeah, then I moved down to North Carolina uh, with my now wife, girlfriend at the time. And uh, we lived in Charlotte for a year. Uh, hunting around there was a little tougher to get to some access, but um, had some good experiences out there with a farmer that you know I was able to make friends with. We call them good old farmer X. And um, from there I moved to Raleigh, which there's just a bunch of public lands around Raleigh that I was able to jump into. So I grew up private land hunting, and then I kind of jumped into the public land aspect started doing some trips outside of the East coast, like, you know, visiting my cousins in Texas, they do a lot of hunting down there. I've been out to, uh, Colorado multiple times doing DIY archery elk hunts. Um, I have a plan to go out and see my buddy in Kentucky to do some white tail hunting right around Halloween this year. So I really just kind of tried to expand my hunting from white tails and turkeys to, you know, getting out there, started duck hunting. I have a lab now, so it just it just keeps growing. And, um, I feel like a kid every time I try something new and go somewhere new. So that's, that's really, really where it comes from. I think.
0: That's awesome, man. Yeah. The, the trying new things and hunting new places is so addicting. And for people who haven't done it yet, I highly recommend like, just get out there and try something. Or if you're going on vacation somewhere, bring your bow or a shotgun or a 22 or a rifle or whatever, and figure out what's in season. Even if it's a coyote hunt, like there's i love vacationing don't get me wrong but there is a big difference from going down to florida to go to the beach or going down there to the beach and bringing a fishing pole you know like (laughs) it's just a whole different level
1: to it yeah and it's funny because you know uh, me and my wife have been together for like geez 10 years almost now like we've been married for only like four or five months but she's we've been together for a while um and i don't think she really knew what she was getting into early and then like as it, we like evolved in our relationship every time we talk about a trip i like bring up hunting or fishing and like what there what is there to do and we can go to this place if i can sneak away and sometimes that's a point of you know hot debate but i am who i am and she loves me for it but at the same time i i can't as soon as i know i'm going to go somewhere new i'm really researching that kind of stuff so and that's kind of what kicked me off going to colorado do diy elk hunting to be really honest with you because we did a trip
0: out there and then i was like i'm coming back and i've come back bro after that man that is so cool i keep i keep mentioning to friends and i may have even said it on the podcast before but i feel like we need to start a couple's retreat almost or like a traveling circuit where it's like you go somewhere but you you disguise it as Hey babe, let's go to, let's go vacation in Texas or Utah or Florida or wherever. And then what you do is you get like three or four couples, all the guys that are into hunting. And then you're like, Hey, the guys are all going to go hang out for a day. Like you guys get margaritas, hang out at the beach, do whatever. And then the guys go spear fishing or hog hunting or, you know, duck hunting or whatever. And I think it could be a really big hit because I told my buddy who I had a friend who didn't, he wasn't able to go hunting quite that much. Uh, you know, his wife would kind of put the kibosh on that. And I started being like, Hey, babe, why don't you see what so-and-so's wife is doing? I'm not going to name him on here in case he listens, but, uh, (laughs) like, why don't you see what his wife is doing today? And she's like, Oh, okay. Why? And I'm like, well, because I want him to come hunting. (laughs) And if she has something to do, like, it's going to be way easier for him to come hunting and yeah my wife's just such a team player i mean she would do that and it would always work and as long as the wives are occupied and have something fun to do it's way easier to for them to say yes to us going hunting
1: i agreed 100 percent. i'm i'm really lucky that um my wife she really just enjoys her alone time so she's like yeah you can go this weekend i'm just gonna hang out with the dog and whatever do what she likes to do which is usually like she likes to read she likes to go out and shop a little bit sometimes she'll hang out with some friends but she really enjoys alone time so me being gone sometimes might be like her relief for her to be for me be out of the house so she can just kick back but um you know we don't have kids yet so that's obviously adds a whole other element to that but i think that'd be an awesome idea to have like a couple retreat stuff and even some of my buddies here have been talking about like you know only one of my buddies he's, he's married he's got three kids so Obviously his situation is a little different than mine, but we always talk about doing something together. So that way we can sneak off and go like surf fishing at the beach and maybe even bring his oldest son with us. And then they can hang out and do something else. So I think it's an awesome idea. I think you should keep pushing that.
0: Yeah, for real. I kind of got part of the idea came from my buddies that I go out to Colorado with. We do a big rifle elk hunting trip and they... Gosh, I'm trying to think when it was like four years ago now, I think was my first trip. And they're like, Hey, whatever, what's Sam doing this week while you're gone? And I was like, I don't know, just hanging out with the kids. And they're like, Oh, well, all of our wives get together when we're out at elk camp. And it, it just kind of breaks it up. And you know, some of them will get together one night then they do like a big get together. And then maybe some others get together again. And I was like, that's brilliant. Like if we as men would just organize this stuff and put a little thought into it, they might actually look forward to us leaving and you know, they get a girl's night yeah. out also. So.
1: Yeah, I love it. That's a great idea. And I I always pitch that to my wife. I was like, well, we go to Alaska. She's like, you're just going to want to go hunting. I was like, well, we could like, you know, you go to a resort or something. I don't know.
0: See, that's the thing. Couples trip to Alaska. Like her and there her friend go. can go out and do like whale viewing or, you know, they could go see yeah. penguins or their penguins in Alaska. I have no idea. but I think that might know, be more Southern, but yeah, either way. Yeah. <laughs> there. I mean, there's gotta be stuff that, that they could enjoy doing. And, oh. you know, you, you could just go out for a fishing trip for a day or maybe a sure. couple days of hunting, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. There's something about traveling though. I mean, back to like what you were saying, traveling and hunting. There's just something different about it. And I don't know if it's like in our DNA, because like if you look back uh, throughout history and uh, tribes all over the world, like the men would go out on these hunting expeditions and potentially be gone for months at a time. And there's just, it just feels different when you go out on the back 40 with your bow, sit in the stand versus even doing an overnight trip somewhere. There's a whole different level to it
1: yeah and it's funny because like growing up i was able to go almost out to the back 40 or you know the farthest we would drive because my dad just had access from people that we knew was like 15 minutes at the most so it's like we just always went to these areas and we always hunted those areas don't get me wrong i absolutely it was probably the best thing for somebody who's young to like really learn woodsmanship and like have an area where someone who would My dad literally hunted on the hill that I took my first few deer for his entire life. So for him to grow up in that area and raise me in that, it was like he could show me every nook and cranny that he knew about, where the deer traveled, this and that was and I was able to hone in on a lot of really good woodsmanship. But when I moved, I had to like come overcome that kind of I don't know what you'd call it, but like anxiety, not even, but like just build the confidence to be like, I can figure this out somewhere else. I just need to look for these same things. And once I started doing that, I got like addicted to it. I was like, where can I go now? Where can I, and then when public land hunting started happening for me, I was like, oh, this is great. I got not just a couple hundred acres. I got thousands of acres. I could drive one night, go camp, which I never did camping and hunting together. But when I I grew up, go camp and hunt. And like, that's all I get to do. This is like best of both worlds. Yeah. I love that. I love going in and finding a place that I've never been before, getting to see an animal, having that satisfaction of like the hunt um and not having any anticipation like oh yeah, I know the deer always
0: travel here. It's like
1: I have no idea what
0: I'm about to see,
1: which is yeah. what keeps me going to new
0: places and I keep wanting to expand on that. So, when you go to these new public land places, um Do you return to the same spot or are you really just going out to new places every time you head out? Because I've heard of people like they find a good spot for whitetail on a chunk of public and it might be new that first time. But then you can get to learn these animals like you do on private land. I mean, it might be a little bit different because you have a lot of other competition or hunting pressure that you might not have on your own chunk. But are you do you crave that new experience and learning it so much that you just go to a new spot each time? So, yeah, I do a lot of kind of a mix. So like
1: I first started off by like the first public land area that I hunted. Um, I like started hunting there and I learned it pretty well. It was like probably four or 500 acres a chunk. And then, I you know, was able to see deer. I don't even remember if I personally took a deer there or if I helped somebody else get a deer there. Um, but then like through that, I just started being obsessed with finding more places and I'll revisit places that I already know about, but you'll find me scouting all new places. And like, because I do a lot of mentoring of new hunters or newer hunters that are trying to get into it and learn the woodsmanship skills, I try to help them along a little bit and be like, Oh, I know about this area. Like if you come in this way and you do this, then you should be in a good position. So. I just crave finding more and more and more spots because then I know I have like plan A, B, C, D, E. Like I can just keep going and be like, oh, I'm going to go hunt over here today. I don't, and I don't feel like I'm over pressuring one area versus another. And I learn each area at different times of the year. There's places that I've taken deer that I haven't gone back to, but there's places that I've taken deer that I will 100% be back to. Yeah. Um, it probably just depends on the scenario and how good it looked in the moment that I found it. And then if I revisit, if it still looks good. So you'll find me traipsing around some of the same areas, but at the same time, I might be exploring a different part of it just to kind of, I like calling it putting the puzzle pieces together because there's some really great deer in North Carolina in the public lands that I've gotten on camera and I've seen that I'm like still having had the opportunity to get that I'm like, there's got to be more of them in other places too. So the more pieces I put together, the I just feel like the more complete of a hunter I become. Yeah,
0: man, that's, that's super awesome. And with, with traveling to all these different places now, I know you mentioned DIY elk in Colorado, Turkey in Texas, North Carolina, New York state, all of these different areas that you've gone and hunted different types of hunting. What would you say right now in this moment is your favorite, uh, maybe place and species? I think it's really hard to beat
1: once you've been it and done it and gotten into it is an archery uh, September Rocky Mountain elk hunt. I think just if you enjoy hiking, camping, scenery, you know, interacting with animals, you like archery hunting, you like just the sheer challenge of it. And knowing that, you know, at any moment you could just hear a bugle erupt in any kind of canyon for me that has been like so like encapsulating just being out there because i mean growing in the east growing up in the east coast it's don't get me wrong i love hunting the east coast and it still will always be one of my favorites but just being somewhere completely different than where you you're used to seeing and growing up in that kind of scenery or not growing up but going out into that kind of scenery is it's hard to explain it's it's hard to explain when you're up there on the top of the mountain and you're sleeping in a hammock and you wake up and you're in that group the aspen groves and you're like man this is this is about as good as it gets sometimes
0: oh so. yeah we we just got out of the hunting unit that i've been in for the last like two weeks right i was helping a good friend of mine try to fill her first ever archery tag for a mule uh, a mule deer buck and holy cow man like i've it's been, I mean, it's been since last, I guess, late October, early November that I've been out in the mountains hunting. And it was for elk last year. And getting back out there, it is just a whole different world. You know, like, yeah, just glassing, like glassing for real has been one of my favorite activities ever since I started Western hunting. And like just sitting there and picking out animals that. 1200 yards or 50 yards you know they might sneak right in on you um and then we had we had elk bugling it they wouldn't start until until the sun went down like we never really heard any elk bugle during the day but the very first one that bugled i thought it was a bear i'm not lying (laughs) like i heard it and she looked at me and she's like what is that and it was right below us and we just heard Yeah, I mean, just like that, and I was like, dude, that's a straight up bear, like that is a bear growling. I've never heard a bear growl, but aside from in movies, and I'm like, that's that's yeah. a bear. And it was like number three or four that it did that, and it just followed it up at the end with, yeah, and That'd I was like, tough. oh my gosh, that's just an old, like, greasy bowl mm-hmm. that's just <laughs> beat up and battered, and I was like, yeah. dang, and then all throughout the night for two nights in a row, we just heard bugling as close as a hundred yards to where we were sleeping. And we only saw these elk. They were in our Valley every single night. We saw them one time and we picked them out at like 900 yards across the Valley, Watched them for, I don't know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And I was like, dude, nobody is in this Valley. Like nobody, we had, we didn't run into another hunter on foot. It was a lot of four-wheeler and side-by-side and truck traffic. But other than that, we didn't run into anybody else. And so right. I'm like, dude, first of all, I'm coming back here for mule deer. Guaranteed. Like I'm putting in next year for archery and then rifle as a second option. And then I'm also putting in for mule deer or for elk out there because I know where they hang out. It might just be a little bit later in September yeah. that I actually start getting more action.
1: Yeah. That, I mean, that like that right there is just, you know, I remember on our second elk hunt, the first time I heard a bugle and I was just like, and then when we got into them and you're like in that circle, of them all bugling, it was like, I don't. And I told the guy afterwards, cause we didn't get one. I was like, and he's a brand new hunter. And I'm like, I hope you know you just experienced. I've been hunting my whole life. You just experienced the best day of hunting I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> just of that, we're eight, you know we're eight hours into the backcountry in some drainage, and we've got all the you know three or four bulls bugling, a herd of elk around us. You know, we both get it at full draw multiple times. I'm like, that was nothing can compare uh, for me. Nothing could compare to that <laughs> in that moment. I was like, this was wild. It's like what people dream of just doing that.
0: Well, I I feel like there's so many people in the Midwest and the East who are really into turkey hunting. And I know that turkey hunting is a big thing nationwide. Like most states have decent turkey populations and they're so infatuated with like the communication. And I find the same thing with waterfowl hunting. Like I love to waterfowl hunt. I love the interaction that you have, you know, like talking to them, trying to convince them. Uh, with whitetail hunting there's very few times where it's like actually full-on communicating and even then like the bucks you're hardly ever talking back and forth with a buck right you're just throwing right. something out there hoping that it hears right. it it comes in when it comes to like a 600 pound mammal with giant antlers and you can talk yeah. to it and say like hey I'm a cow I don't know where the herd is. Maybe you should come over here and like, bring me back home Yeah. or Hey, I'm a bull and I'm coming to steal your women. That is a whole different level. Oh. Um, I, I just, it, it blows my mind that we've figured this thing out where we're actually interacting with these animals. And I, I kind of feel bad. I'm like, we're enticing them with sex. Like, Hey, <laughs> I'm a horny other animal. Like come hang out with me and then you shoot them. But at the same time, it's so insane and fun that I wouldn't give it up.
1: No, absolutely not. And I think, you know, that's that part of it for me is what probably sets it over the edge is um, the interaction. Uh, That's why I started to take up turkey hunting, even though my father didn't do it much. And I will still even be the guy who calls if we're hunting together. Um, Because, you know, he's a tried and true deer hunter, man. He likes to get in tight and have them come to him and I think that's what also though is enticing about like hunting a whitetail buck like a big whitetail buck what intrigues me about that side of hunting is just having everything on point you know trying to figure out where they bed trying to figure out where they're eating trying to figure out where they travel trying to figure out the doe bedding paying attention to the wind the weather all of these different things because you have to especially as an archery hunter be within whatever 40 30 yards it, depending on your shots and sometimes much tighter uh depending on where you hunt and uh, all the those different factors for me that part of hunting is like one side and then like the calling kind of hunting is a whole other side and i have a deep love for both of them but something about the elk stuff i think was the interaction that uh that just sets me over the edge because it's like a massive deer because you have to do a lot of that stuff too but you also get to call them in so yeah for me and plus just the country they live in is just
0: hard to be yeah yeah I mean the scenery itself being in the Rocky Mountains or like (laughs) you know coming up over a hillside and it's not just another cornfield bean field or small woodlot I mean you could see insanely different landscape from one ridge to the next and totally different animals like whole herds of elk that you know might only be living a quarter mile apart but you know one of them is in the burn and one of them's in just thick thick sagebrush and scrub oak and cedars um i'm curious because you're an archery hunter and i haven't asked this but i kind of want to start taking a poll on it because you were talking about the effective range with your bow you know 30 yards, 40 yards, maybe less, 20 yards. How far do you feel comfortable shooting at a whitetail when when you're sitting there with your bow? Um in all
1: honesty, I think I think my money spot is 35 and under. Okay. Uh, that's how I feel, but that's also the type of terrain and the places that I like to hunt are usually like The way my dad tried to get me into archery hunting was getting close shots because that's how he shot you know he was a compound with no sights and fingers so all of his shots were like 20 or less he just wouldn't just didn't have that you know but he never used a range finder so that's how he brought me out to hunt so i will practice out to when i'm going elk hunting like you know 50 60 70 yards but when I'm whitetail hunting, I just find myself always in really tight quarters with deer. Um, and I think it's a little bit daunting in my head because I know how you know how quick they can be, how skittish that they can be. Yeah. That taking a 40 plus yard shot is something that I think two or three times about. Now, do I feel confident I could pull off the shot? Yes, if I have the window. But I think because I don't have those windows most of the time, I'm, it's just not even a thing I have to think about.
0: So yeah, my, my follow-up question to that then was going to be, how far do you feel confident or comfortable shooting when you go out West for elk? Because I see this huge shift. Like you get these, you get Midwest and Eastern hunters that are whitetail hunters. And I get that. I get that a lot in talking with people and same for myself. Like, man, I'll shoot out to a hundred yards. Like I love to shoot my bow long range. I love just watching that arrow like bomb way out. But if I'm being completely honest, my my like guaranteed zone, like where I'm like, dude, if I if I let an arrow rip at this distance, I'm gonna kill that deer, is probably like that 35, maybe up to 40 yard window. And then I talk to my buddies who hunt Colorado and they're like, Oh yeah, man, I shot an antelope at like 75 yards. Yeah, right. My bow. And I'm like, wait, what? Like antelope are <laughs> small, they're not even yeah, close to the size of a big northern whitetail and you're shooting them at 75 yards and you see other people who are lobbing arrows at elk and i say lobbing arrows it's not like it's inaccurate or they're just injuring animals all the time but they're actually putting lethal shots on elk at 70 80 90 yards and it just blows my mind that like Maybe it's the Mississippi river. Like if you go west of the Mississippi river, you're just a sniper with a bow. And if you're East, like in, in our minds, we just always thought, you know, like 35 yards, 40 yards, that's just the max. Yeah. Yeah. And like,
1: Oh yeah, that's a poke. Like it's what I would think of something about, you know, 40 and beyond. I was like, then that's a poke for a whitetail. But then when you start talking about elk and other animals in the West, where it might be a little more open it's not like some of this stuff but still there's, there's areas where it's like I, i'm not gonna get a four yard shot out here but you might so i guess yeah. yeah i think it's something like i just grew up in the east coast so we hunted tight deciduous forest you know and the tight bedding areas that have the briars and everything so it's you really weren't seeing the vitals of the deer unless it was in that close lane that you created possibly. Um, but yeah, I was fully ready. If, uh, you know, walked out at 55, 60 yards to be able to pull that shot off. I had yeah. 10 confidence in my setup. I think that's another thing though. I think the more you get into archery, like my father, he would be the guy who just, you know, take his bow to the shop, be set up for him and give him the arrows. It's all good. Shoot, shoot his generic, you know, his regular, Muzzy Broadheads always get it done at 20 yards good to go but now as I've gotten into the western stuff and really trying to figure out you know arrow setups and what is my bow shooting and what can I do to enhance the distance and accuracy and precision of my bow I start to get more and more confident as I go farther out so maybe there's something there to be said about western hunters that they understand maybe the capabilities of their bows better where in the East, we're like, well, I mean,
0: under 20 yards, I'm always money. So it's a matter. <laughs> well, and I, I think that probably plays a big part in, uh, of it with, with Midwest and Eastern hunters, like it's generations of people that have been getting deer within 20 yards or 30 yards. And so it's just like, that's understood. Like you want to get them close and it's not unrealistic to have them at that range whereas out west i mean th- there's people who are like dude if you get within 40 yards of a mule deer buck like you're doing something right and yeah. and so part of it is like hey if you're gonna bring home meat you just have to be able to kill at that range um yeah. the other thing that really blew my mind over the past two weeks normally when i'm out west i've got a range finder but i'm rifle hunting you know i've done a lot of rifle sure. hunting out there and it doesn't seem crazy, you know, when you get to an elk and you're like, all right, I'm guessing like 380 yards. And it's like, oh no, it's only 330. Okay, cool. It it was insane to me to be ranging stuff, like thinking, okay, we've seen deer down in this meadow. We're going to hang out right here in the morning. If something comes through, we're going to range a couple things just to make sure. And we would range trees that if I told you, or if I had to guess and put like $100 on it, I would have said that tree's at 70 yards, but because of the decline, you know, straight line of sight may have been 70, but my, my height compensation on my rangefinder is telling me it's like 32 yards. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine what an actual 50 yard shot would look like because you might actually be shooting flight time of an 80 yard shot. Right. And it just, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a big test for me next year when I go out there because I'm hoping to get, get a tag for archery mule deer in that same unit. All right, guys. So I know that last year was kind of a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers, but that's why we've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Now, Go Wild is a free social community that was built by outdoors men and women just like me and you. Not only are your photos not censored on Go Wild, they're actually encouraged. And they give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And as you earn those points, you can unlock awesome rewards like gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Check this out, though. If you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. So go visit DownloadGoWild.com. To get started
1: yeah I, yeah i think it just all keeps coming down to knowing your equipment yeah. the more you know your equipment the more you practice stuff like that i think the more confident you're in and taking longer shots especially once you get out west and you have animals that you know they only come into this far and that's just how it goes you know when elk hangs up at 50 60 yards because that's what they do it's like okay, you better be able to pull off that shot because that's the shot you're getting. So I think that was ingrained in me early when I started doing my DIY trips is like, I need to start practicing how to shoot farther. And that's going to have to include my arrow setups, my bow, figuring out how to get everything out of it that I can. So that way I feel super confident when I'm going to take a shot.
0: Have Have you got your setup like fully dialed in for archery elk and then you just use the same setup? for Whitetail now, or are you bouncing kind of back and forth depending on the season? I bounce
1: back and forth. I have a little bit older bow, like, you know, mid 2010s, like early I'm off I'm now on in the market finally for a newer bow. I just, it's just one of those things that you just have something, you stick with it for a while. Yeah. So that bow's capabilities were like, you know, with everything on it and everything I had was like, you either set it up for one thing or you kind of set it up for something else. So I have switched it back over to more of a whitetail setup. So my bottom, you know, my, my farthest pins are like 40. I don't have the dial pin on there right now. Um, That's another thing that I'm jumping into is just all the extra stuff to it. Um, But I, I mean, if I wanted to, I could go right back and set it back to how I was going to hunt out West. it would just be moving some pins and getting some things redialed in. Um, You know, the hot debate now, obviously in the hunting world is the heavy arrow and all that stuff and I've been dabbling with that a little bit and just seeing like what that'll do for my arrow setup. So I have a little bit of a heavier arrow setup, probably too heavy. Well nothing's too heavy, but I mean a little bit heavier, heftier than you would typically think of for a white tail here in the southeast. But um I just wanted to start messing with some stuff and see what I couldn't start learning about it before I do my next trip out west.
0: It's it's pretty incredible the amount of opinions that you come across when it yeah. comes to, especially archery, archery equipment, like yeah. fine tuning archery equipment. There are some people in these camps where it's like, dude, if you do this, you can't even call yourself an archer, you know? And yeah. it's so funny because I've talked to people who have the exact same setup. They never even switched when they went from whitetail out to elk. And then there's people who are like, oh, dude. I've got a different setup for everything. I've got a different setup for mule deer, for elk, for antelope, for whitetail. And I'm like, at the end of the day, I feel like just the confidence alone that I would have knowing that this is the system I've been shooting and that I shoot all year long. That to me would be worth it to stick with one. Now I get it. If you're going after like a moose with a bow, you better have some serious penetration on that thing. Like those are big, big animals and there's certain... There's certain animals where I feel like you have to have that, but in talking with a lot of people, it, it does end up coming back to the confidence that they have in their equipment. And it's like, Hey, I just feel more confident going with a heavier arrow setup when I go out for elk. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm, you know, by my day job, a
1: mechanical engineer. So like all this stuff intrigues me quite a bit. Um, the more I learn. Um, so, you know i like getting into the physics of stuff understanding momentum kinetic energy conservation of energy you know all that kind of stuff really intrigues me like you know as a engineer math is something that i guess is one of my strong suits even though it's not my you know i don't love math i don't sit here and do math all day i just <laughs> it's just i like to get into yeah so it, it's just it makes sense as a mechanical engineer that this is stuff that i'm starting to get into more and more well, my dad he's like a structural engineer and he's like i shoot this arrow and this broadhead out of this bow and kill deer with it i don't know <laughs> so um yeah, yeah i've gotten more into the weeds than him but i like to think of myself a little bit more in the middle i hope
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i'm i'm very like easygoing when it comes to my hunting opinions and yeah. i'm i'm in the camp where there's no one way to do anything. Like there's always yeah. Yeah. multiple ways that you can get the job done when you're hunting any type of animal. Right. Um, and you know, as long as it's legal, as long as it's ethical and you're not out there just wounding animals, do it yeah. however you want. Like absolutely. the whole, like, uh, <clears throat> the whole, what is it? Reaping debate with turkeys? Like, yeah. Can you reap turkeys or can't you? It's like, well, you absolutely can and you can totally sit still and call them straight to you. Like do it however you feel. And as long as you're not like on your buddy's property and doing something that he's not okay with, who cares, man? Like just do whatever works for you. Yeah. And I think that's
1: like, you know, I mentor a lot of new hunters that are coming into this. So I know that there's like, probably some you know unwritten rules that they hear about and other stuff you know in quotations unwritten rules that aren't really rules that people will tell them and you know obviously there's etiquette stuff that you know we try and you know don't walk up on the guy if you already know he's there stuff like that but at the same time it's like i'm always pushing for i hunt a certain way because this is the way i enjoy to hunt you're going to find your way and um after that as long as it's legal and ethical and you know your equipment and you're making you know lethal shots and you're doing well and you're having fun doing it then keep doing it and if you want to try something else that's legal and ethical then go for it you know i've gone through different phases of turkey hunting i've reaped turkeys i've sat there and called them in with no decoys i've used decoys i've enjoyed all, all of them you know some of them I enjoy more, but that's just me. <laughs> that's yeah. just, I, I like to hunt. I've hunted on private,
0: public, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. I, I just enjoy
1: hunting, period. So
0: Yeah, it's, it's always interesting. And in, I feel like there's just division in every area of life, whether it's sporting teams, politics, hunting tactics, the clothing you wear. But it's really cool to hear how different things work for different people. Because I've talked to, even with elk hunting, people in the camp of like, man, if I couldn't go out there and scream or like rip a bugle and get a response, like I'm out. Like, that's what it's all about for me. For me to get out there and actually like talk to them is insane. And then I've talked to people who are like, dude, I don't call at all. Like, I'll go out there in the rut and I will just be completely quiet and I will sneak into wherever they are. And, and, you know, the annoyance that I've heard of people having, and again, I'm not this huge archery, Western archery hunter. Like I'm just getting into that side of things, but I've, I've heard multiple people now just get frustrated with how many bugles that they hear from other hunters every time they go out there. And I'm like, (sighs) in my mind, I would just play, play that to my advantage. You know, like if there's somebody who really sucks at calling, like, well, maybe they're going to push the elk towards you or that yeah. I've heard of people also saying like, dude, I would have bet a million dollars that that was a really, really crappy elk collar, like hanging out up there. And then it turns out it's a freaking elk, like it's an actual elk. And I thought it was someone who had never bugled before.
1: Yeah. That's like what, like the first year I went elk hunting was early in the season. And someone was like, don't call much, and like all this. So I hardly called. And then the second year I went out there, it was a little bit more as what they would consider the part of the rut in the second half of September. And I was like, forget this. I'm just gonna keep ripping. And that's when we started getting into it. And I was like, I'm doing this every single time. I don't <laughs> anybody says. Yep. And it's kind of like turkey calling too. Like, some guys like to call a lot in turkey, some guys don't. Some guys like to call soft, some guys grab a gobble tube I don't use the gobble tube but at the same time I call a lot I want to strike a bird some guys running gun some guys sit in one spot so if we want to equate elk and turkey hunting like there's the two different contrasting styles of hunting and some yeah. guys like to sit and wait and other guys like to go out there and see if they can't strike one up so see
0: I I if you could be a hundred yards away and hear the ridiculous sounds that come from me during turkey season. Like I am not a good <laughs> turkey caller at all, and I will just, I'll just try whatever. You know, I've got my box with the rubber band around it, and I'll like shake it, and it's like, yeah, and it probably doesn't sound anything like a turkey, but for me, it's fun. You know, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna do it if. if if I was being filmed, if this was like a professional hunt, I would probably just leave all my calls at home and be like, Oh shoot. I forgot them. You're going to have to call, you know? Um, but I'm just, I'm not good. But at the same time, animals make weird sounds like that, that elk that I heard that I would have swore was a bear. Like you could not have convinced me that that was an elk until I actually heard it at the end of its bugle.
1: Right. I, I couldn't agree more now. Like in Turkey hunting, Um, I'm trying to get to the natural voice period where I'm like, I'm just going to try my natural voice. And I can actually do it and get birds to respond. I just haven't been able to, like, just commit and, like, not bring any calls out with me. And some of the guys are like, dude, you just need to leave all the calls
0: back and just do that. Dude, let's hear it. I want to hear it now. Oh, man. I got to get. On the spot, dude. This is, like, a big tom out in the field. You better put this on. Put on a show for (laughs) holy cow dude dude if i could do that if i could do that with an actual call i'd be set i'd feel like a king out there
1: yeah so i mean i've been getting to a point where i'm like i need to just do it just to see if i can pull it off dude (laughs) Joking around in a field once and just doing it when I was scouting and I got a bird to respond he was coming in hot, but I was like in my polo, like with dress pants up and like after, like right during a lunch break at work at this farmer's place. And I was like, oh man, I never thought that would work. And then all of a sudden.
0: That was so good, man. Like I'm blown away that you can call like that with just your mouth. And I've seen people do it, but I am not that guy at all. I've got, I've got a buddy who can goose call like dude he can oh wow legitimately make a really good goose sound I can't do any of that I'm not vocal I'm not musical I can't do good impersonations like forget it you better give me an actual call and even then I probably suck
1: and it's funny because like I never really thought much about it but as a kid I would pretend to do it and like would try to do it, and my dad like make a joke like you don't sound nothing like a turkey. So it kind of like drove me to this point where I'm like I'm gonna actually really try and get to that point. And then I stopped doing it, and then like that one time in that field I did it, and I was like, no way, like I can actually potentially pull this off. So I've been trying to like hone it in every year, and I think this year I hope I just.
0: Put away the calls and just dude you need to I'm gonna I'm gonna get a hold of one of your buddies and be like dude just go take all of his calls and don't give them back like make him go out and do it there's I'm I mean, terrible though competitions they do actual mouth calling competitions for a lot of yeah. different game animals like I know you're you're pretty good man I, I'm not gonna lie you know I, I mean I
1: appreciate it I, I obviously still don't have the confidence in myself yet but um we'll We'll see if I can pull it off this year. I'm just so bad, though, man. I love calling, so I, like, am always buying new calls and just trying different stuff, so
0: we'll see. We'll see. Dude, listen, Here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call you one day, and I'm going to have my actual calls, and I'm going to call with those, and then you do your mouth call, and then you'll realize how much better you are than I am, and you'll, you're going to just – your confidence is going to go through the roof. All right. I'll try it. Nice. <laughs> I, I hope I hope to get an update this spring about you calling a bird in just using your mouth. Yeah, you dude. I the mean, goal. You, you could always bring backup calls with and if there's well, just a not a good response, you could pull them out. But like you have to commit to at least a couple minutes of trying to convince them with your mouth first. And then if they do, you just never pull the calls out. And if they don't, you pull the calls out and you shoot them yeah i i don't disagree there i think another time when i actually started trying
1: to do it in the field was i was using the other calls and then i was like nothing i know the, i knew there were turkeys there because i could hear them gobbling but they weren't responding to me and then i just started doing that and then they started responding and i was like okay maybe just switching up the tone of calls was just all that it took Yeah. so yeah i i think that i'll take your advice i think i'll I'll try with the mouth call first for now on or just the vocal call first and see if I just can't let that rip. Nice. But, I, yeah. think,
0: I think you're going to have some success, man. I think, I hope so. I think I'm going to get that message at some point this year. Like, dude, just got it done. And no I'm telling you, man, if I could do that, I'd, I'd never buy calls again. Yeah. That's the problem. Like my buddy's like, dude, you're just wasting money. I, I get it, dude. I I mean, I'm a hunter, so like, I buy a lot of crap that I really don't need. And I yeah. feel like, oh, man, I feel like my wife would leave me if she realized how much money I spent on stuff that's just like, I just see the random thing, and I'm like, how have I hunted all my life without that? I absolutely need that right yeah. now. And, and the hunting industry is so bad right now with it. Like, the gimmicky things that come out, and you just feel like, dude, I have to I, – I remember – The first gimmicky thing that I ever saw was at Shields in my hometown, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And what it was, it was clip on reflectors that were the same colors as the pins on your bow, like on the site. And so what you do is you go and you clip them out there at the different ranges so that when a deer walks in, you're like, all right, I'm using my pink pin and I straight up I convinced my parents to like hook me up with some money so I could buy these. And I had like three shooting lanes, and each one had like the pink, yellow, green, orange all the way out. That's and great. I have never, ever actually used those successfully. Like a deer <laughs> comes in, I'm not like, all right, where, which, which color clip on is yeah, it? Right? Right. You know, but I mean, it, they just need to have a pole or like a, I'm trying to think like a, a calendar almost of the most gimmicky things that hunters come out with each year.
1: Yeah. I think that's like what cracks me up too. It's just like the stuff that you'll see and you'll be like, Oh, that really actually interests me. And then you're like, Do I really need it? And like, I've like tried to start now playing the, like the month plus weight game. Like do I, am I still thinking I want that thing? And then if I'm like, nah, it never really needed it the last month and I'll just pass. But it's funny though, because I grew up, my dad was so simple, like as simple as it gets, like camo, some hang on stands. He did the screw in steps. Um, we grew up in a place where you couldn't rifle hunt. So we, I have, I have actually never killed a big game animal or any animal for that matter with a centerfire rifle. Dang. That's just, it's just how we hunted with shotguns and both. And that was it. Yeah. Period. So for him, he was like, ah, oh, you don't need that. No, oh, you don't need that. No, oh, you don't need that. Oh, i'll show you so i obviously have gotten a little bit more than i think i want that thing or i need that thing so i definitely still have a little bit of his influence on me though so i i think that protects my wall a little bit but definitely not enough yes my wife because oh yeah all the new stuff i'm getting into i'm like i need this and i need that and i need that
0: man i've gotten out of a lot of those things but i i was just telling my friend linnea on this mule deer hunt about the hats that they make for archers that have like the mule deer ears or like the white tail ears, so you know, like you put it on and then it's like mm-hmm. the silhouette of it. And so they don't get spooked as much. And she's like, they don't actually make that product. I'm like, yeah, yeah. They 100% do. Absolutely.
1: I have seen,
0: I saw on, I don't know if it was a Facebook or an Instagram ad or what, but something popped up because I'm a hunter and it was like marketing to me and full disclosure here. I don't know if it was like, a spoof like somebody was making fun of a product if it was like something to mess with your buddies or if it was something that people actually buy to because they think it works but it is like a boot sole cover that is smooth but it's got like a deer hoof print that protrudes out of the bottom so like when you walk in it looks like deer prints or like deer tracks going in and i'm like i don't that one to me is over the top. I'm like that's got to be a joke, you know, like to mess yeah. with your buddies, but I really don't know. Maybe it's something that people actually use so that the deer don't see human footprints. I mean,
1: I sure hope there's not enough people who think that they're 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 trying to do that. I mean, I'm the guy who would Rather cover up the deer tracks with my boots and like walk all over it. Like my boots make it look like four people have been in there. Then <laughs> yeah.
0: the way around, and somebody following me to my stand or something. That but, would uh, be pretty funny, dude. Like you get a wheel that just like rolls boot prints behind you and it just looks yeah. like a heavily used area. So all of a sudden on public land, nobody else comes back there. They're like, dude, there's too many <laughs> yeah. people hunting here. That's a great yeah. idea, man. Talk about a gimmicky product. Like that could actually work that, I mean, for public land hunters, that could be like,
1: great. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So the gimmick stuff, it it cracks me up, but there's a lot of stuff out there that I'm just like, I can't even believe that this is out here, but then there's stuff that just comes out and you're like, Oh wow. That was genius.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So Um, but yeah. Um, the, the one thing I'm curious about because they keep coming up with all this stuff, right? Like Ozonix is out and a lot of people sure. swear by it. I've never used it. It never makes did. sense to me, like in being explained to me how it could work. Um, but the one thing that I'm always curious about is like, when is the next big breakthrough going to happen in the archery space? Because if you look back at it, the feet per second that bows have been shooting has barely been climbing every year for quite a while now. And at some point, I mean, you're a mechanical engineer, like, dude, what needs to happen to all of a sudden, I I feel like way down the road, there's going to be bows shooting like 500 feet per second, right? We are a long way off from that, but there's got to be something that changes to where we can, where we can increase the feet per second. And lower the poundage on a bow. Well, I mean, I, I've been doing
1: some research as I'm searching for new bows. And, you know, I'm not a very, I, I'll call it vertically challenged. Like, you know, I'm not like a big, huge wingspan. I only have like a 26 and a half, 27 inch draw. So um, when you do the calculations, you know, my feet per second shooting the same arrow as somebody who's six foot two um, with the same like arrow setup, pretty much, mine's going slower. Like, by yeah. 20, 30 feet per second. So I'm like, I would love to get it faster, like a, a real fast bow. Um, and seeing the all the IBO speeds, there are some that are coming out that are like 360, 370. So, I mean, there's, there's some out there. It seems like though, the market though, is kind of just like staying at like that 325.
0: Yeah. For real
1: range, like right in that zone, which is fine and all, but at the same time, yeah, I, I wonder, I do wonder if there's any kind of like restrictions they're putting on themselves or if there's any kind of thing that they're just saying, we're not going to do this because the um, the energy that this produces would need a heavier bow. No one's going to buy a bow that's this heavy. Mm. Uh, I, I'd have to do more research on that. It's been something that I've been thinking about is like, why have they been hovering? Like my bow's IBO is not far off from a lot of like the brand new bows. So I'm yeah. like, hmm, I wonder why that is um but it it could be just something they're putting on themselves or i don't know i'm having a hard time figuring it out myself because i still think you could get a fairly light bow and be able to shoot like 400 feet per second with you know the technology we'd be able to produce yeah and
0: maybe maybe there are restrictions being put on them like on the speed i can't imagine that that any archery company wouldn't be like fighting against that if there was a restriction on the speed that the arrow is flying like I mean, that's, that's a huge selling point. Like, people legitimately buy the newest bow every year because it travels three feet per second faster. Like, right. it's insane. Um, I will say one of the biggest things that I've noticed as a change in the archery world, it, it doesn't have to do with feet per second, but what it has to do with is uh, the draw weight and the let off. Like, dude, yeah. the let off on some bows, I think I may be wrong on this. I've looked up the video, so I'm sure I could find it. There is a bow out there, and I want to say it's elite archery that has like a 95% let off. Yeah. And I've watched a video of a guy pull it down like from a hook and the weight of the bow with the sight stabilizer and yes. and uh quiver on it, it will stay at full draw just from the weight of it being pulled yep. down.
1: I feel like I have seen that video too. I do know, I'm pretty positive. There are states that restrict the amount of let off on compound bows. Really? They don't, if, if it's not like a crossbow state, I'm pretty sure there are some regulations in there that you need to be like 80 or below or 85 and below, unless you're like impaired and like, you know, you had some issues um, in terms of being able to draw back a bow like physically impaired, not like physically having. Yeah yeah exactly <laughs> hopefully not <at> any <laughs> but um yes yeah physically um having you know issues there but i'm pretty sure that there i've seen some regulations on that for compound votes but i'm not interesting I, I my word for it but i think there are some states out there that are like you can't have anything more than this let off
0: yeah that's yeah
1: that's wild I'm sure that there's bows that are not like you, like you just pointed out one and I'm pretty sure I saw that video as well, where it was 95%. I think I've seen some other ones out there that they market to people who have, you know, mobility issues that they can still shoot a compound if it's not like a crossbow state, but, or something like, I don't know why.
0: Dude, the weird, I mean, there's, there's some really crazy innovations that are coming out. Like even looking at that Garmin, what is it like the zero X one, or I think it's like the zero something site i think it's x Mm -hmm. oh yeah but it's like the red dot it adjusts automatically for you and so it's not like the pin deal um you know i i would always fear that the battery goes out on that (laughs) and then i'm like (laughs) really screwed i don't know if they've got a backup plan for that i'm sure they sure they do uh but i do want to ask you because you're in the market for a new bow what are the top three right now on your radar um i i have a hoyt now so i i'm i am a i'm
1: i'm not like married to hoyt but like i obviously have a bias too because i've been shooting it for so long yeah oh so i have been like looking at the ventums and you know if i could muster up the money like an rx7 or something like that get something super light that you know is new but um you know i've also been also been looking at the 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 matthews of course you know the vx3s and stuff like that so i think the next step for me is i just need to get through this hunting season kind of is what i'm thinking and go out and just try a bunch of bows because i mean the last time i you know the first bow i had was like one of these small like parkers that just was like a youth bow and then once i bought you know the Hoyt, I was like, Oh, this is a million times better, and I feel like I'm gonna have that same experience. I'm just gonna buy the first one, and I'm like, Oh, this is way better than what I got, so I'm just gonna get some. I'll just take that one. Wow. I think I would, I would shoot, you know, an array of bows, maybe even shoot some PSEs, you know, just try some different bows and just see like what feels the best because I've really only shot the Parker and the Hoyt, so I couldn't really tell you much about how it feels to shoot Matthews or uh, anything like that. So,
0: see, that's I think tough. That- I feel, I feel like that's the tough part about a lot of archery shops now is like, some of them are just married to Hoyt, you know, like they don't carry Matthews, they don't carry Bowtech, they don't carry, you know, bear or really any of these other brands. And I wish that I wish that more archery shops wouldn't be so sold on one partnership, you know, like it would be amazing. And there might be shops out there like this. I don't know of any, I've never been into an archery shop that has like all the newest Botec, Matthews, Hoyt. um, I wish that you could do that side-by-side comparison because like when I go, I went to buy a shotgun this year and I was like, Hey, I want to see the new, the newest Browning shotgun, you know, like, I really want to check it out. And they're like, all right, here you go. They handed it to me. Then I was like, Hey, I want to see the Benelli and the Beretta and the Winchester and feel them all side-by-side and I was I was completely sold on getting the Maxis two, I think that's yeah. what it was called. Uh, Browning. Like, I wanted that shotgun so bad. When I held that Benelli Super Black Eagle three, I was like, yeah. that's it. Like, there's no... Like, I couldn't find anything else that compared. And I wish that you could go and do that with bows. Yeah.
1: I think it's going to be kind of a long endeavor when I go to buy a new bow. I think it's going to be like a... You know because I know the one shop that's near us they carry Hoyt's and I think primes so I'll probably try both of those out probably find a place that there's another place nearby that maybe has some Matthews try those bows out hopefully there's one nearby that maybe has some PSCs and just kind of call around and if I have to travel around a little bit to try these bows then that's what I'll do. But that's kind of where I'm at in my headspace is like don't be just fixated on one brand like go try a whole bunch of them and like see if you can't get them set up to shoot and just Take the one that feels the best. So that's kind of where I'm at. That's base.
0: I've had I've had a lot of different bows throughout the years. Um, I've had my very first bow was a Martin. It was a Martin Mm -hmm. Magnum Jaguar, and yeah, absolutely loved it. Swore by it. I've had Bowtech. I've had Matthews. What's crazy is I have never even shot a Hoyt before. Yeah, never even shot one now I don't I don't know that I've ever okay I've held a Hoyt I've never even drawn a Hoyt back and I don't know how good they are I know some people who absolutely swear by them and that's again where it's like okay if you look at the top prime BoTech, Diamond Matthews Hoyt like all of them you might notice a difference but at the end of the day they're all probably performing very well and like, you are going to be the limiting factor on what your bow gonna yes. do.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And when we talk to new hunters who want to get into archery, cause like that's a huge endeavor for a new hunter. Like I don't really want to archery hunt and they're like, yep. what can I do? Like, this is my budget. So usually they're in the used bow market and we're like, well, if you go used, I would stick with, you know, the brands that you can find the reviews on and then yep. try to find something. And I, we are always encouraging if you can't shoot it, like if you can get it set up to shoot, then shoot it. So that way you feel, you know, if you've never bow hunted before, like who knows, you know, what, you know, hopefully you're at a shop that, you know, somebody can help you a little bit with your form or you're with somebody that knows their stuff. But yeah, we're usually, you know, especially when you get to use bow market, it's like, well, you got to double check this and double check that. So that's where it gets a little dicey, you you know, I've used bows like my bow was a used bow and I got it, but the guy only had it for like a year. Yeah. So I was lucky with that, but yeah, the whole bow market thing can be very intimidating for people.
0: Yeah. I did. I mean, hunting in general is difficult to get into. Yeah. Like it, there's a lot of intimidation with it. There's a lot of unknowns. It's if you're not a hunter and you're just getting into it, like I can't even imagine for me, I've hunted all my life. And when I try to get into a new species or a new area, it can be intimidating, and then you throw in on top of like the strategy, you've got the gear, you've got the weapons, you've got the arrow build, and there's so many strong opinions on every side from every angle that it becomes really overwhelming and that's where yeah. again, like we mentioned earlier, I like to tell people there's no one way like you could figure it there's people shooting deer with longbows not even recurves like longbows there's people who spear deer and like tim wells freaking blow guns, bear and yeah. like i mean there's so many different ways that you can go about this find what makes you comfortable you're going to get out there and you're either going to succeed you're going to learn or you're going to do both yeah and yeah. down the road you'll get better and better yeah exactly
1: and when we mentored you hunters all the time my biggest thing is experience like you just need as much experience as you can with whatever that you're trying to do um and you know i think that builds confidence so that's what we try to do it's just like well you know we got to get you out there and get you experience because you know you can consume a lot of stuff at your house or even at an archery shop or a store or somewhere like that but really if you want to do this we need you need to get. We need to get you out there um, and get you going because once that starts happening, it starts clicking with people, and then they start to figure out like, okay, I can do this. There's some things I'm going to have to learn, but at the same time, I know now more what I have to learn about. And then they, you know, it kind of focuses their questions, focuses what they look at instead of just consuming all this stuff that's coming in from the ethos. That's like, I got to worry about this and then this. It's like, no, we just need to get you out there. And then you'll start realizing what maybe you're missing in terms of, and you'll have more focused questions than just like, Oh, I want to get into it, but I need to make sure everything's right first. It's like, no, nothing's ever always right ever. So let's just get you out there and get you started. and We'll go from there.
0: It's like when people talk about having kids and they're like, yeah, I mean, once I'm ready for a kid, I'm like, dude, you're never ready for a kid. It's just (laughs) like, you will never fully be ready. Just, have a kid if it's something you want to do and it's i mean i know that's a stretch to compare those two but uh dude i appreciate you hopping on i want to ask a couple more questions real quick before we hop off the call what's next i mean you love traveling you love hunting is there a state that you're like dude this is it like i really want to get here so maybe what's the next new state and then what is your bucket list like what do you if you could, if you could pick any species, any location with any equipment, what would it be?
1: So, what's an immediate next is I'm
0: going to Kentucky
1: and hunting with my buddy. We're going to do an archery hunt in October. Um, so I'm really excited about that. It's really cool property that he's got permission to hunt on. So I'm really grateful for that opportunity. Some really good bucks that he's taken off the years and every year. You know, it's a bluegrass state. It's one of the top states for whitetail. So yeah. I'm really. Excited. About that never hunted in that you know west of you know even where i'm at now west of the appalachians so that'll be cool um but in terms of like what if i could just like snap my fingers and do something um obviously i i mean i always struggle with this one because there's so many things i want to do yeah hawaii would be a cool place to go hunting i think hawaii is one of those places whether it would be even for You know rios doing turkeys hunting axes deer or even just pigs just doing something in hawaii would be really cool and then the other one obviously i think is and a lot of people's bucket list would be an alaska hunt and i would love i think sheep hunting has always been something that's like really been a very far distant thing but if someone was like hey i got the opportunity i'd go do it i would love to go do a doll doll sheep hunt oh
0: man dude back to the location like the terrain the things that you would see on a doll sheep hunt and then yeah. also dude hawaii like i've talked to multiple people i'm like let's plan a couple's trip like yeah the wives are not going to complain about us hunting if they're sitting on the beach or getting massages or whatever yep
1: yep and that was my biggest argument i think, with my wife when we picked our honeymoon she's like what about hawaii i was like if i go to hawaii and that's the only time I go there and I don't get an opportunity to hunt because we're on our honeymoon because I swore I wouldn't hunt or fish on our honeymoon. <laughs> I will be livid. I will not be having a great time just because like, and, and it's nothing against her because I would have had a good time with her. I'm, I would have got over it, but it just would have been like, I don't know whenever I'm, I'm going to come back living on the East Coast to Hawaii. So I'd be like, man, I wish I was had an opportunity to get out there and at least hunt for a couple of days.
0: Yeah.
1: So... I love that idea. I'd love to get a couple's trip going out to Hawaii.
0: So that way I'm, I'm just do... putting that out there. Any, okay. A couple, a couple homework assignments for any listeners start thinking about a couple's retreat where we can set the ladies up with like the best day of their lives. Or Hey, if you're a lady hunter and your husband doesn't hunt, he can stay back and hang out and you can come out hunting with us. We'll set up yeah. a couple's retreat, maybe in Hawaii. Maybe we'll just look at a bunch of, we'll just like, Every quarter, every three months, we're going to go to a different place. And if you want to come, come and we'll hunt or fish something. Uh, And then number two, I need a list of the most gimmicky things that you found. Like this is is going to be, I'm going to start giving my listeners homework after this episode and all future episodes. I need couples retreat ideas and I need the gimmicky items. And we're going to compile a list of the most gimmicky items that you've seen or even bought. Maybe that's what it needs to be if you've bought them. Yeah, hunting.
1: yeah. If you bought them and you tried them, and you're like, "Why did I buy this?" Yeah, did <laughs> you just still have it or something? It'd be great to see some pictures of them, like especially from the old days. I mean,
0: yeah, like, I, I right. like that idea a lot. And then, uh, last but not least, where can people find you? Where can they follow along? Yeah. So, um, my Instagram is at Evan Trebilcock.
1: That's a lot to say. Uh, Trebilcock is T R E E I L. C-O-C-K, that's on Instagram. Um, but you know, the bigger thing is I would say is Opportunity Outdoors is our non-for-profit organization that is an organization meant for mentoring people who are looking to get into the more experienced hunting and to meet mentors, people who grew up hunting like myself, people who wanna dive into it, but don't have anybody they can reach out to. So that'd be Opportunity Outdoors, we host camps. We have a hunt camp in November people come out we hunt like old traditional hunt camp but we got new hunters and old hunters and people just go out and have a ball so those have always been a huge hit so yeah I think those would be the two but I think opportunity outdoors can be a little more interesting than me
0: yeah no that's awesome man I appreciate you hopping on I appreciate hearing all about your hunts your your reviews or i guess interests i mean yeah the places you want to go the the organization like it's all been super awesome and i think we definitely need to get on and do another call who knows maybe we'll do one live from hawaii soon all right buddy well i appreciate it dan thank you for having me absolutely and that is gonna wrap it up for today's show man i had a great time chatting with evan and It's crazy because I'm out west right now and I want to be elk hunting so bad. I've only got, man, right about a month before I'm at elk camp which seems bizarre to me, but I am so pumped. And I'll be going back to Wisconsin this week. Wow, I don't know why I said Wisconsin. I'll be going back to Missouri this weekend to chase after some whitetails. I've been getting a ton of trail camera pictures coming to my phone of deer that I'm targeting this year. And so hopefully I can connect with them. I am super late, I know. I've talked about getting a saddle for a long time. I finally ordered one off Go Wild. I highly recommend, if you're looking for gear, go check out the stuff that they've got on Go Wild. Because I ordered it, it is gonna be waiting in Springfield for me. Now it's gonna be a pretty steep learning curve because I'm picking it up and the very next day I'm going out. So hopefully I can find a good tree to practice in a couple times getting up and down. Uh, right before I go out and actually try to connect with one of my target deer. But it's, it's so close I can taste it. And I say all of this as I'm out west. I've recorded in some really cool places lately. We've done a round trip from, we went to Wisconsin first, then out to Montana to pick up our new dog, dropped down to Utah for the mule deer hunt, which you guys have all heard about if you've listened to the recent podcasts. And then from there, we went across, hit the Redwoods. Actually, in Utah, we checked out arches and canyon lands, went out to the Redwoods, went up to uh, Oregon, like the coast, went and saw, I think it's called Can- Cannon Beach. I think it's Cannon Beach. And that was super cool. From there, we went up to Glacier, then down to Yellowstone. Today, we went to Mount Rushmore, and I'm currently sitting on the edge on the north rim of the Badlands in South Dakota. And so I'm excited for the sunrise tomorrow. Man, it's just been a phenomenal trip. And I appreciate you guys showing support, commenting on social media posts that I've made. And the trip's not over. I mean, we're going to make a quick pit stop back in Missouri, be there for a little while, hopefully connect with a deer or two because I am running very, very low on wild game meat. But from there, who knows what's next. I've got a couple really cool hunts planned this year. So hopefully you guys do too. Hopefully you're getting out there or have already connected with deer. I know a good buddy of mine, Chad, he actually just connected with his first buck on his first sit. He sent me a picture, and so I'm super excited for him. But if you guys aren't getting out, you better start getting your gear together because seasons are upon us all over the country I'm seeing posts of elk and antelope and mule deer and waterfowl and whitetail. And so it's an exciting time of year if you're an outdoors man or woman. And yeah, I'm pumped to get back there and sit up in the tree in the saddle. Oh man, I hope I don't mess this up. But it should be fun. Until next time though, always choose adventure and God bless.